Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and I am very congested, as you can probably hear. I've been sick for the last five or six days and haven't been training at all. And as late as this morning, I'm, I'm recording this on Thursday, uh, I still had a headache that felt like a thousand bombs going off in my head. And I've never had headaches in my life, so that was a horrible experience. But now I'm finally feeling better, still very much congested, so bear with my voice. But uh, this is the reason that uh, you're, you'll be hearing this episode a day later than usual. There was just no way yesterday that I could have recorded an episode. I had absolutely no voice, and it's just coming back to me uh, today as we speak, so... It's a day late, but uh, at least it's getting out there, so, so apologies for keeping you waiting, but uh, I, I really couldn't have recorded an episode uh, the last, any of the last few days with, with the, the, the sickness having been pretty, pretty serious. So we have Q&A number 22 today, and remember that you can send in questions on email or through Facebook. If you have questions that you want answered, we'll get right into today's questions after thanking our sponsors. And this is a warm welcome back to Roka as a sponsor of the podcast. Roka is the world's leading brand for wetsuits, triathlon apparel, apparel and performance eyewear and you can find them on roca.com and get 20% off your entire order with the promo code that triathlon show all one word all caps as we talked about during some of the episodes that roca sponsored during the autumn roca is now uh, distributing directly from uh, the uk and the eu so that is great news for all of us uh, so, but you can navigate to those particular sites through the roca.com main webpage as well. As we are now in late February, we are actually not very far away from the open water swim season getting started in various parts of the world, including uh, my lovely Portugal here. I expect that uh, in late March we will be swimming in the open water, even here in uh, perhaps in the Lisbon region, but definitely. In the southern Portugal, we will have races in mid to late March that uh, I'll be going to as well. So uh, it's getting, it's heating up, it's heating up. And if you are looking for a wetsuit, I can't recommend Roka's wetsuits warmly enough. Even their entry-level models look, feel and perform like most other brands' high-end wetsuits uh, with things like their famous arms-up technology. Also take a moment to check out their performance sunglasses. I really love the aviators. Uh, I guess I'm, I might be a bit of a Top Gun wannabe in that way, but they're just super light and stylish and stay on your face no matter what. And I love that I can use them in both day-to-day uh, -day casual, casual streetwear and also in training uh, if I want to. Uh, so those are all things that I recommend that you check out. So visit roca.com and get 20% off your entire order with the promo code Show, all one word, all caps. Today's first question is from Susie Peplinski from Cascade, Michigan. And uh, she writes, I am a first-time triathlete training for a sprint. My critical swim speed, CSS, is over 2 minutes per 100 meters. I want to build endurance and swim more efficiently, but there's no way I can do 10 times 400 meters for a workout. And uh, I should clarify here, uh, she's commenting on... Uh, the episode the interview that I did with Paul Newsom from Swim Smooth. Uh, so that was episodes 132 and 33. So a two-part interview called Swim Training Structure, The Swim Smooth Way. 
and I'll link to those episodes in the show notes. And uh, Paul Newsom has this uh, workout called the Red Mist Session, which is 10 times 400 meters. So uh, Susie writes, how should I modify the Red Mist workout to build up for a sprint or Olympic distance? For example, should I do 200s or 300s instead, or should I do fewer 400s? So to go into a bit more detail, I'll, I'll answer this part of her or Susie's question first. And thank you for the question, by the way, Susie. Uh, I apologize that I kept you waiting a bit. It was, uh, yeah, I planned to answer it a lot sooner, but uh, here we go. So to describe it in a bit more detail, the Red Mist session is meant to be swum at a fairly high tempo. Like it's not super fast, but when you do 10 times 400 meters at a pace that is uh, starting at your critical swim speed plus six seconds per 100 meters, that's sort of like a tempo effort. Uh, So uh, perhaps your between your half and full Ironman uh, distance swim pace. So, and, and then you, the idea is to gradually, gradually go down in pace, go faster and faster, but only slightly. So if you look at the swims with website at how they describe the red mist, the idea is to do four times 400 meters at CSS plus six pace, then three times 400 at CSS plus five pace, and then two times 400 at CSS plus four, and then the last 400 at CSS plus three. So let's say that your critical swim speed is 140. You would do the first four at 146 per 100 meters, and then the next three at 145 pace, and then the next two at 144, and then another at 143. And the recoveries are fairly short, so it depends a bit on your pace, but uh, typically you can expect uh, somewhere in the region of uh, 30, 20, 25, 20 to 30 seconds or so. So. To answer the question, for adjusting the uh, the swim smooth to suit you and your needs, uh, Susie, it depends, I would say, on how long swims you are doing right now. And uh, I would use that as the main starting point and the main variable to consider. So let's say for, for example here that the longest workout that you've ever done is 2,000 meters. Then maybe what I would recommend is to do, do a red mist session, sort of an adjusted red mist, as seven times 300 meters. So that would be 2,100 meters in total. So only 100 meters more than your longest ever swim. And do that for a few weeks, and then you might add another 300 meter repeat. So doing eight times 300 meters for a couple of weeks. And then build up to nine and build up to 10. And until your critical swim speed is in the sub 150 range, I think you can stick to 300s actually or maybe increase to 350s, but not really 400s. Uh, so that would be my recommendation as well. But there are a few different ways to skin a cat. It, this is not the only right way that you could adjust the red mist. Uh, both of the examples that you suggest, like doing shorter intervals or doing fewer 400s, both of them work. I would say I would prefer for you as a slightly slower swimmer to do the shorter intervals and uh, start to build up the number of intervals instead to make sure that you can still perform the entire interval at a fairly solid tempo. It's not like a fast tempo, but it's a solid tempo and you can maintain technique. So that's why uh, what I suggest that you do is to do 300 meter repeats and build up to do 10 of them rather than uh, starting at very few 400s and build up to do fewer of them. All right, so the next question from Susie is, in the Red Mist workout, you talk about going at CSS plus five pace and then moving up to CSS plus four, etc. How do you learn to control your pace that precisely? That doesn't seem like much of a difference. Is stroke rate a good way to learn to control pace? All right, so another great question. My 
general advice here for swim pacing for any interval, whether it's easy or hard, uh, is uh, that, or for pacing, uh, for, for pacing and swimming in general, not just for intervals, but, but just pacing, is that whenever you swim going forward, whenever you go to the pool, always be in tune in every single interval that you do like and, and i'm not talking about necessarily doing interval training but let's say you do your warm-up and that's 400 meters you can consider that an interval a 400 meter interval even though it's just easy so be in tune with uh, how hard you feel or how easy you feel that you're going how fast you feel that you're going or how slow you feel that you're going and get instant feedback from the the watch uh, the clock on the wall or the watch on your wrist uh, so that you know that how your perception of effort or your RPE, your rating of perceived exertion, how that uh, relates to how fast you were actually swimming. And if you have a Garmin or similar GPS watch, they're actually really good for this because not only do they give you the time that you did for the intervals, but also they will show what that interval pace was. So maybe they show you that you that you went at two minutes per 100 meter pace right away so you get that instant feedback and getting instant feedback after you swim an intro that's a really good way to learn how uh, you're pacing and then it's just a question of swimming a lot and uh, and then you will slowly but surely you will improve and become better and better and better at knowing what pace you're going at and that of course you can use in terms of if somebody tells you to swim at two minutes per 100 meter pace you can go and do that and be fairly accurate with how you do that. So so also start to, before you actually look at, at the clock on the wall or actually before you calculate from the clock on the wall what your pace was or before you look at your, your watch on your wrist and see what your pace was, uh, start to try and guess before you do that and get that answer, uh, guess at what you think that you went at. And that will be very helpful for you as well in terms of learning pacing. Stroke rate, as you mentioned, yes, it can be uh, really good, uh, but uh, you need to have good control of your stroke, and and you need to to know that your feel that your technique isn't falling apart at a certain stroke rate or speed. So if you know, for example, that as soon that as you swim at a pace that is faster than your threshold pace or your CSS pace, uh, your technique starts to fall apart then at that point you can no longer use uh, or trust stroke rate the same way. Uh, but it is, of course, always an important input in how you feel. Like the way I... Definitely stroke rate is an important input, but uh, but you should also try to learn to feel how long and effective your stroke is. Because really, your speed is nothing else than, uh, uh, than taking your stroke rate times your stroke length. So how long do you get with each stroke? Uh, and uh, and you need to start to learn to so to be able to judge your pace you need to learn to also feel how effective your stroke is and you can definitely feel when you do that red mist session i feel it every time i do it that in the latter intervals my stroke is not as effective as it was in the beginning so i can feel that even though even though my stroke rate is probably a bit higher than it was in the beginning of the workout I know that I'm barely managing to do those uh, that target pace because I feel that my stroke isn't quite as effective as it was at the beginning of the workout, simply because I'm tiring. So it is easy. Yes, stroke rate is uh, important, but it's not the only uh, the only thing you should trust. You need to start to really tune into and feel how your stroke rate is uh, performing, I guess, and how effective it is. So again, it comes down to 
just swimming a lot and being in tune with your body and, and following that first piece of advice of always getting feedback on how fast fast you're going and trying to guess as well how fast you're going. Then the other thing that I would say is that the Finis Tempo Trader is a great investment. It's uh, I'm sure that you heard when Paul Newsom was on the show, uh, you heard what, what it was. It's this metronome that you can uh, stick uh, under your swim cap or you can attach to your goggle straps and it just beeps. You can set it to beep. Uh, for example, typically you would set it to beep at uh, for you, let's say, every 30 seconds. And then if you your goal is to swim at 2 minutes per 100 meter pace, then you know that every 25 meter, every time you get to uh, to the end of the 25 meter uh, lane, it should beep. And that tells you that you're on pace. And when you train a lot with the Finis Tempo Trainer, you get really great at pacing and try to hit the beep uh, spot on every single time. And that will then translate to when you train without it. And you should you should train do some training without it as well to, to verify that it's actually working. But this is uh, really a great investment. It's not expensive. I think it's 40 to $50 or so. Uh, so. So it's one of the best tools that you can invest, that you can invest in. Sorry. Uh, I should also say that the difference in, in that Redmi session between CSS plus 4 and CSS plus 5 uh, of course, it doesn't really matter because it's it's essentially the same uh, the same intensity. Uh, the thing about that sort of uh, prescription work a prescription is more so the idea that you should start at a steady effort, but you should do you should not get slower. You should, if anything, get faster throughout the workout. And if the overall trend is trend is that the latter intervals of the workout are faster than the earlier ones, then you're already doing well. It doesn't matter if one of those CSS plus four intervals is CSS plus five, uh, actually, and not CSS plus four, and then you happen to do the next one at CSS plus three, so you're a bit faster, a bit slower, but the overall trend is that you're you're holding the pace, and then you're, over the course of the workout, you're even slightly increasing the pace, then, uh, then you're doing good. That's the main thing, because there's nothing magical about swimming one second or 100 meter faster. It's uh, more so of a, it's more of a, a way, I guess, to uh, to prescribe a certain process thinking in your workout by by having some objective metrics. Uh, one related or slightly tangential, at least, uh, point here on this question is that I will personally be at Swims Moves, a three-day coach education course in Mallorca at the end of May. And I know at least one listener who contacted me and who will also be there. So that's uh, really great. Look forward to meeting you. Uh, if there's anybody else uh, that's listening to the podcast and that's going to be on Mallorca at the end of May for the Swim Smooth three-day coach education course, then send me an email, michael at scientifictriathlon.com and let's connect ahead of time. It would be great to meet uh, more of you. All right, so thank you again, Susie, for your question. It was a really good one. I hope my answer helped you and helped other uh, listeners on swim pacing and uh, the Red Mist workout in particular. This next question is uh, from Dana in the Virginia, the United States. And Dana writes, Hi Michael, since you're putting out the call for beginner questions, I really don't understand aerobic versus anaerobic training, VO2 max, threshold heart rates, FTP, uh, etc. I'm training for my first sprint triathlon and using my multi-sport watch with uh, a training peaks training plan. So I'm definitely not in the realm of using power meters and additional specialized equipment I mainly use zones, but the threshold heart rate notifications I get from Trading Peaks telling me to update my zones means nothing to me. Thanks for all you do, Dana. All right, Dana, thank you so much for your question. 
I was thinking of uh, making turning your question into uh, a longer summary for beginners, uh, but uh, then I changed my mind slightly, so uh, I might <laughs> change my mind again at a later point. But what what I in the end decided to do is uh, I'll try to explain at least some of these things, uh, but only if they actually matter for beginners. And uh, then I'll try to give some super practical guidelines on the training that you can follow that will sort of take care of these things automatically for you. So the idea here would be I do not want to complicate things and I want to be very clear that for beginner athletes, like you do not need to know these things really, like a lot of these things, as long as you have either an understanding of how you should be training, which is what I will be trying to give you with the answer to your question now, or if you have a coach or a training plan, a good coach or a good training plan, then that of course is also great. Then you just follow that, but make sure that you actually actually follow it the way it's meant to be followed. So an example here would be if you constantly go out and do your easy training too hard, then you're, you might on paper be following the training plan or you put in the the 30 minutes or 50 minutes or 60 minutes or whatever it's supposed to be, but you're actually not doing it the way it's intended to be done, then you're not following it even if you're ticking the boxes of getting the workouts done. Anyway, so so that was a long-winded introduction to, to my answer of this question. But let's start with some concepts at least that, we, uh, that can be quite useful to know. And the first one here is threshold. So uh, put simply, your threshold is uh, the highest intensity where your body can work in a steady state without lactate concentration starting to, uh, to exponentially rise and without lactate accumulating. So you can think of it as the maximum intensity that you could hold for roughly one hour, although this does vary from individuals and also for different disciplines. For beginners, the time might be a bit shorter, so maybe it's your maximum 45-minute intensity or so. And the threshold is also often called your FTP, or functional threshold power, uh, especially in the context of biking. So do you need to know what your threshold actually is? Well, not exactly, but uh, you need to have a way to train in the right training zones, and you mentioned this, and that is good that you are training to training zones. And quite often the threshold is used to anchor your training zones, uh, although other methods also exist. So in essence, you don't have to know what your threshold is, but but it is uh, one good way to get your training zones. A practical way that many athletes use to estimate their threshold, both on running and cycling, is to do a 20-minute time trial and take 95% of the power on the bike or 95% of the pace on the run as their threshold uh, power or pace, or heart rate as well, by the way, uh, 95% of heart rate to get your heart rate threshold. Uh, a potentially better way to get your threshold heart rate is if you know your maximum heart rate. And uh, by the way, this varies for discipline, so it's different for running uh, compared to cycling, for example. Uh, so, But if you know what your maximum heart rate in any given discipline is, then taking 88% of that maximum heart rate uh, is typically a pretty good approximation for your threshold heart rate. So all of these things, like your threshold power, threshold pace, threshold heart rate, what it refers to is what pace, power, or heart rate is associated with that specific intensity level where your body is at a steady state. There's nothing magical about this intensity, and it's not uh, an exact point either. It uh, varies a bit from day to day. 
what what you measure today is going to be different from what you might measure tomorrow. Uh, but we so we don't have to be too concerned about like being super exact here. But we just have to know close enough what it is. It does not have to be exact because there is there is a margin there because as I said, the threshold is moving day by day anyway. Uh, but uh, the reason that we want to know it in the first place, so know the threshold in the first place, uh, as I mentioned, is to usually to establish some trading zones. So personally, I like to work with a five zone model where zone five would be recovery, zone two would be your base endurance, zone three would be more of a moderate intensity or tempo or half Ironman sort of uh, sort of intensity. Zone four would be right around that threshold intensity and zone five would be uh, your vo2 max intensity so so very a very hard intensity uh, i'll link in the show notes to a spreadsheet where you can get uh, your zones automatically based on a 20 minute bike or run test as mentioned uh, and i'll also link to some episodes that i did on setting training zones Although I should say that I've uh, updated the percentages that I use uh, a little bit. And another thing that I should mention, by the way, is that uh, I'm definitely one of the uh, current projects, if you will, that I'm working on is I want to learn more about how to actually get a better uh, indication of threshold from field tests. I've, I have a very strong hunch that uh, 95% is the incorrect, it's an incorrect factor for us to use. And I will probably in the near future switch to using something like 92% of your average 20 minute power or, or pace to set the threshold. Because I just see that uh, time and time again that the field tests, they do overestimate uh, threshold values and uh, what you get from taking 95% of a 20 minute best effort. Uh, that's not something that you could hold as a steady state. Uh, so uh, so those are some caveats. Uh, but as I said, I'll link to that uh, spreadsheet where you can get your five zones if you do a 20-minute bike or run test. And uh, uh, and that's that's it, basically. Then you just do a bike or run test and then you maybe do one two, uh, another uh, two months later and then you update your zones if needed. And if not, you don't need to do that. For heart rate, if you get your heart rate zones right once then I don't really see the need to, to update it too much unless you see significantly different values from test to test. But if your average heart rate for a 20-minute test changes by three or four beats per minute from one test to another, that's completely normal. I don't think that it's worth changing your heart rate zones for that because that's just normal variation. Uh, so so those, those are some things to consider with the threshold and the training zones. Uh, but I also want to say that for beginners, I think you can probably... Maybe you, you can train even more effectively by and at least more easily by, by using just three different zones. And those would be your easy, moderate, and hard training zones. And uh, in this case, you could be using, if you're using heart rate, which you seem to be doing, you could base this all on heart rate and, and to some extent on your, your perceived effort, your RPE, your rating of perceived exertion. So, but if we talk about heart rate, in this case, I would probably steer you to using your maximum heart rate, again, for each discipline separately. And the easy zone would be 75% or less of your maximum heart rate. Um, the moderate intensity zone would be between 75 and 88% of your maximum heart rate. So here you can see that the moderate zone, it ends at that 88%, which we previously talked about being right at your threshold heart rate. And the hard intensity zone, that would be anything higher than that. And in terms of feel, when you train easy, it should feel like you could go at it all day. So at least for many, many hours. 
And uh, of course, this will not be the case for like complete beginners who never uh, perhaps uh, who come off the couch from 10 years off the couch and not moving at all. Then even just running around the block is difficult. So I appreciate that. And, and that's a bit of a different case. But but if you're somebody who has, has done some level acti- of activity in the past, whatever you do that is your ease training, it should actually really feel ridiculously easy. Uh, or ridiculously, again, it depends on your level, but, but it should feel like something that you could do for a long time, for much longer than you, uh, than you are actually going to do it. So let's say that you have a 30 minute run scheduled. Then I would say that it should feel like you could go, but you could go at the same pace for, for two hours at least. That, that would put you in the ballpark. Uh, so the moderate intensity, does, this depends a bit on if it's a low moderate or high moderate. Uh, so because those are quite different. But but it should feel as if you could go at that intensity for at least an hour. And the hard intensity, it should feel usually like you could go for, for 10 minutes or, or less, uh, or 15 minutes or less. Again, this also depends on the whether it's low hard, which would be right above your threshold. And then, of course, it should feel like you could go for longer, for maybe 30 minutes or even up to 45 minutes, if that is what your threshold intensity is. But uh, but typically when we train in that hard training zone, we want it to be quite a bit harder than threshold actually. So so that's why I talk about ten minutes or less. And this is all just to make it super easy. That's why uh, it's there's there are a lot of simplica- simplifications here. But actually, simple may be very effective uh, if uh, especially when we're talking about uh, training for beginners. So and speaking of training for beginners, this is true for everybody. It's really the one rule to rule them all in endurance training. The majority of your training should be easy, and you need to keep your easy training easy enough, because this is uh, this is how you build your endurance base. And uh, I can't emphasize that enough. Enough. But even as a beginner, you don't need to train easy all the time. In most cases, you probably should not. This depends a bit on injury history and like athletic background, etc. Uh, but uh, but if you are somebody who has been at least active in some way in the past, and even if you're a beginner triathlete, you can pretty soon start to introduce some sort of intensity. So you can do things like tempo rides or tempo runs in that moderate zone where you feel that you're going at a pace that is uh, not easy, but it's not super hard either. So you could hold it for one hour or a bit more than one hour, perhaps. and Or you could uh, do things like short intervals. So intervals between two to five minutes long, and that those would be that high intensity zone where you feel that the absolute maximum that you could do is 10 minutes or so. So you should just feel that if you do a workout that is five times two minutes, you should basically feel that, well, you're doing your best effort for uh, for whatever that, that workout is. Like, how fast can you go for that workout? And that's it. So it's fairly simple. You In that high intensity zone, by the way, you should not uh, rely on heart rate at all. You should rely completely on RPE because heart rate is going to lag behind your effort. So, so you need, in that case, to learn to go by feel. Uh, so think, how hard can I go in this two-minute interval, uh, given that I still have for more of these afterwards. So so you can probably go at almost like your all-out two-minute pace, but not quite, because you still need to repeat that effort a few times. And what do you do? You do your moderate intensity training. In that case, I think that you can definitely use heart rate because those are going to be longer segments, so heart rate is going to catch up. So what I want to emphasize here at this point is that the one thing that you really need to know 
that is that you should build up your base of easy endurance miles or hours and you should sprinkle in moderate and high intensity sparingly in your program. Uh, this should be added uh, at least when you're ready and if you've been training for a while then you're probably ready. But think of it like the salt in a recipe or the spices in a, in a recipe. You can, if you add an appropriate amount, it can take the meal up to another level. But if you add too much, it completely ruins the whole meal. So, uh, so that's uh, the way that you should think about uh, the more intense training. So build that base on easy endurance miles. So let's give an example of uh, what this might look like in practice. Let's just look at the run, for example. Let's say you run twice per week as part of your triathlon training. And you do, uh, both of them are 45 minute runs. So then one of those runs will just be an easy run, uh, period, uh, nothing, nothing fancy. Maybe you can add some strides to it, but, uh, but nothing more than that. Uh, so it's a low-intensity run uh, in that easy zone. The other run would have some moderate or high intensity. So for example, if it's a more of a moderate intensity, you might have a 20-minute uh, tempo segment in the middle of that run. Or if it's a high intensity run, it might you might do something like four times three minutes high intensity intervals at that very hard, uh, hard intensity level. So it can be as simple as that. Uh, this uh, in, in this way, the majority of your running is going to be easy, and uh, but you will have some moderate or hard intensity in there. So uh, the important thing that is just to make sure that you actually do what you're supposed to do. So you do go easy when that is what your program calls for. And when you're supposed to go hard, you do go hard. And this well, you will improve. And you will improve a lot uh, without, without really needing to know uh, anything about VO2 max or what is aerobic or anaerobic training. Uh, trust me, there are re- a lot of really good triathletes who... Uh, don't know what this is and then there are even more triathletes who think they know what the difference between aerobic and anaerobic is but they actually uh, really don't know they completely misunderstand what it is so so knowing what that is that's that's not the main point the main point is to train the right way that you should be training and that can be fairly simple and it should be simple for for beginners Uh, but to give you some at least some ideas of of those terms so uh, vo2 max uh, this is around that intensity where you can just about do intervals like that example four times three minutes or maybe even five or six times three minutes at least as you get more more fit more advanced vo2 max is still a mostly aerobic intensity and uh, when you do those intervals it is definitely your aerobic engine that you're working on improving not your anaerobic engine it's the kind of intensity that you can uh, you could if you did an all-out time trial for maybe uh, five to eight minutes that would be right around your vo2 max intensity everything at or below that intensity by the way is aerobic even though uh, at this intensity it of course feels very very hard and that is why a lot of people incorrectly think that this is anaerobic training and call it anaerobic training uh, you'll see that a lot and uh, that is incorrect uh, but anaerobic training actually that those are your really pretty much maximum effort so one minute or shorter intervals typically and with good long recoveries so that they can be repeated at that exact same maximum intensity and it is not something that you or any other triathlete need to do a lot of uh, if there are some exceptions there are some people that might benefit from that and uh, and use that a lot but but if previously i talked about high intensity training being the salt or the spices in your recipe that anaerobic training 
that is the the wasabi or your sushi <laughs> and you know if you if you like sushi that uh, the sushi is still great without wasabi but a little might make it even slightly slightly better in some cases at least but anything more than very little wasabi and you're on the floor uh, coughing your guts out so that's not recommended and uh, and for beginners actually i i never prescribe anaerobic training i, I don't think i ever have and uh, i can't see a, a scenario where i would do that so so th- this is not really something that, that i think that you you need to be be doing at all uh, that being said you can still do one minute intervals but uh, the intensity is only hard or very hard but it's not that same all-out anaerobic intensity uh, so uh, so you can do one minute intervals that are mostly aerobic and uh, the recoveries then would be short enough and they would perhaps be active recoveries and uh, they might be so two jogs rather than just standing recoveries that they might be in anaerobic training and this prevents you from going so hard in those intervals that your effort becomes really anaerobic so so it's not about the length of the intervals per se it's really about like how the entire workout is structured and and what the actual intensity in those intervals is finally to comment on the notifications that you get through training peaks uh, well i recommend that you check what your maximum heart rate actually is and uh, you can go to your training peaks dashboard and you can find it there in some of the the charts or the tables that you might be able to add from the side panel and so go go back through your last few months of data and uh, see what your maximum heart rate in cycling and in running is. Choose 88% of that maximum heart rate. Uh, stick it in your training peak settings as your threshold heart rate for each of those particular disciplines. And then from that on, you can, you can pretty much ignore your notifications unless you achieve a new maximum heart rate. Because again, there are different uh, different ways to calculate threshold heart rate or estimate it. So, uh, so as long as you're, if if you actually choose eighty eight percent of something that you think really is your maximum heart rate, then you can be confident that that is going to be a good enough estimation of what your threshold heart rate is. That you don't need to change it just because of uh, training peaks seemingly identifying a new threshold heart rate. So, to sum up in a few simple bullet points, do the majority of your training as easy training. Add intensity, moderate or high intensity, as the salt to the recipe. Uh, Number two, know your training zones. And there are many different systems. Just choose one. It's not as important what the system is as having one that works for you. The maximum heart rate-based three-zone system might work well for you as a beginner and somebody who uses heart rate. So easy would be 75% or less of your maximum heart rate. Moderate would be 75 to 88% of your maximum heart rate and hard would be 88 percent or more of your maximum heart rate and learn what the different zones feel like what is your perceived effort at an easy intensity what is it at moderate intensity at and at high intensity and what is it at various nuances of these broad zones so you should be able to, you should strive to learn to be able to go out and do this training even when you forget your heart rate monitor, you forget your GPS watch and it should with time become second nature. And finally, your threshold, that's the highest intensity where you are in sort of a steady state so you can still go at that intensity for a fairly long time, maybe 45 minutes for you as a beginner. As soon as you go above it, your fatigue will come much, much quicker uh, but there is nothing magical per se about the threshold and you really don't even need to know what it is to train effectively. 
but uh, if you want to know, it is that borderline between the moderate and the high intensity zones. So 88% of maximum heart rate, that would be one way to estimate it. Although this, of course, has individual variance, so, so it's not exact, but it's in the ballpark. I hope that this helps and uh, for any beginners that want to learn more, uh, I did do a lot of beginner tips. I think beginner tip 1 through 38 or 39 or something. Uh, and you can just, in your podcast app or in iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, just go down in the, the archives to the history of this podcast. And uh, and there were a lot of them and they were coming out every Thursday for a long while. But then I stopped them just because I had covered everything that I needed to cover for beginners. I don't want to overcomplicate things. I don't want to re- regurgitate things that I had already talked about. So it would be silly of me to start to do 100 beginner tips. That much information is not needed for beginners. So I found after after 38 that I had covered pretty much everything I wanted to cover for beginners. So that's why I stopped them. But of course, I'm more than happy to keep answering specific questions that you might have on these Q&A podcasts. So keep sending in those questions, whether you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced athlete. All right, and one thing, one more thing I want to mention before we close off this episode is that uh, I want to thank you all for... I got a ton of great feedback on episode 169, which was called FTP, VO2 Max, and VLA Max, what triathletes need to know with Sebastian Weber. So I'll link to that in the show notes. And uh, I just want to thank you. It was really incredible to get that amount of feedback. And uh, but yeah, I, I I understand it because I think it was uh, it was a good episode. I really enjoyed uh, doing it as well. And, and Sebastian is super knowledgeable. It's really really impressive the amount of knowledge that he has. Uh, just to clarify, because I this is uh, one thing that I got uh, a particular uh, l- particularly large amount of questions about is that the testing that allows you to get the information discussed in that episode, it can be done remotely uh, on your own favorite cycling roads or on your indoor trainer. Uh, you just send in your your files for analysis. And uh, in the menu bar on scientifictriathlon.com, there's a tab called Inside Testing. And on that page, you can read all about how that works. So uh, go there and, and check it out. So that's called, that's Inside Testing on scientifictriathlon.com. And also, I want to thank you all for all the great questions that keep coming in of, of, for all different levels of triathletes. Uh, I really like the questions. I really appreciate all of you for being such an engaged and fantastic audience. Really, it is incredible and uh, i should say it's more often but but really thank you it's uh, it's a real honor to be podcasting for for such a great audience all right before we close off this episode big thanks to roca for sponsoring that triathlon show roca is the home of the best wetsuits tri suits swimskins goggles and high performance eyewear in the triathlon and cycling industry go and check them out on roca.com and you can get 20% off your entire order with the promo code that triathlon show all one word all caps thank you as always for listening keep training smart and keep loving triathlon